Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cadena Office Hours with Blockchain Doug. Let's take a listen. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to another uh, session of our Office Hours with Doug. Um, welcome, Doug. It's been a while. Hey, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Yeah, lots of stuff been going on. Been keeping busy, and uh, excited to be for another Office Hours. Yeah, thank you everyone for uh, tuning in uh, this, you know, early morning or evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, if do you have any updates since uh, last time we spoke on the officer, uh, uh, tour spaces? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, just main thing is that Cadena is growing. We're continuing to grow the team. Uh, I think that's a really, really significant thing in this overall kind of troubled crypto market and and not even just crypto but broader global markets um you know Kadena is in a good position and we have a great opportunity to do some amazing things and we're bringing on new people and i think that's kind of the best proof that that we're uh we're doing doing well and we are optimistic about the future if if we weren't doing well we wouldn't be hiring new people so um, I think that's pretty pretty compelling. Yeah, uh, well, there's a ton of new uh, engineers and kind of uh, awesome employees that recently joined that we hopefully will cover soon. Um, but yeah, just getting to, uh, let's just dive into the questions from the community. Uh, one of the main questions uh, recently has been about scaling. And so uh, Tad Toshi and Timmy TR999 on Twitter asked, uh, what are the downsides of uh, scaling to a thousand change right now in advance? And uh, when do you foresee kind of uh, the need to kind of scale from 20 to 50 to 100 or a thousand chains? Great question. Um, there are huge downsides to scaling to a thousand chains right now. And the, the, the main downside is it's more overhead. So every block that is generated by a blockchain has a whole bunch of what we call the block header information. Things like what's the block height, what time was this block created, uh, you know, what uh, pointers to what transactions are in the block, and a bunch of stuff. And the more blocks we, or the more chains we have, the more blocks we are generating every second. And so if we, right now, the, the chain congestion is not very large. And so the block headers are a, a significant percentage of the total amount of space used by the whole blockchain. And so if we double our number of blocks, well, we won't quite double the amount of uh, space that's used because 
uh, there are transactions in there and and those won't necessarily get doubled right away until more transaction volume comes online. But we're going to double the amount of block headers that we have to store. And that's a really significant amount of information. If, uh, you know, we, we started out with chain and nine months later or so, we forked to 20 chains. If I had been uh, able to make that decision using only engineering criteria, I would have said, no way, we don't need to fork to 20 chains because we don't want to pay all of that overhead before we actually need to. But, you know, as, as is usual in life, the, the choices that you make aren't only governed by like one concern. We needed to prove to the world that our system was actually capable of scaling while uh, running in production. And so we felt like it was really, really valuable to fork our network to 20 chains so that we could prove to the world, hey, this system that we have, it does scale. And uh, so that's why we forked from 10 to 20. I think it was a perfectly reasonable decision. But if I was only thinking with my engineering hat on, I would have said, nah, we don't want to accept that extra overhead. So the extra overhead it becomes much less and less significant the more traffic you get and the more transactions that are going through your network. So by the time we we do need to increase beyond 20 chains, the the like the percentage increase in the the size of the blockchain will be a lot smaller because we will have all these other transactions that are and, and our blocks won't be taking as large or our headers won't be as large of a percentage of the total storage. So so yes. We definitely don't want to scale to a thousand chains right now. Uh, from now on, I think the scaling to, to add more chains will be done on on as needed basis. Whenever our transaction demand gets high enough that the number of chains doesn't handle it, then we can go and we can think about scaling and uh, adding more chains to accommodate the increased demand. As far as like the roadmap of when do we or what what do we scale to? Do we scale to fifty or a hundred? Um, that question is is TBD. Uh, there's a bunch of factors involved. Certainly, part of that would be the uh, number or the amount of transaction volume we see. If we've gotten you know a small amount of increased transaction demand, and uh, we think that it might make sense to scale to fifty. Maybe we would. 50 is, is a pretty, pretty significant increase, by the way. Uh, 20 to 50, that's more than double of our current 20 chains. So uh, 50 is, is not uh, an unreasonable number, but then the actual exact number also ends up getting impacted by the graph theory and, and what kind of trade-offs we want to make with respect to the actual details of the chain graph. These are probably more more involved and, and detailed engineering decisions than is uh, in this forum right now. But there's other, other factors involved. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be 50, maybe it'll be 56 or 60, uh, depending on a number of different considerations. Um, but uh, that's not really all that significant in terms of the end user. The, the end user really cares about, you know, what kind of uh, increased throughput are we capable of, and uh, we will scale as we see makes sense given the amount of demand that we're seeing. I guess this might have been covered on your uh, blog post last year about scaling 
uh, a proof of work blockchain. But for the community, is there a certain increment that the chain scale to? So obviously we went from 10 to 20, but would the next number chain be 50 or 100? Uh, I know it's based on like, you know, demand, but like we can't necessarily go to 30 or 40, 40, can we? Well, yeah, we could go to 30 or 40. I doubt we would go to 30 because that's uh, like a 50% increase. Uh, It it seems like if we're we're gonna scale, we're probably gonna be getting adoption. Uh, There's, we don't, there's no preset like, oh, this is the path of of chains or chain graph sizes that we're gonna use. That's not, uh, there's no fixed path at all. We can move to 30 chains if that makes sense. We can move to 50 chains if that makes sense or 100 chains. Uh, we could even move straight to 1,000 chains. I, I really don't think we would be doing that because that would be a, a, an enormous increase. And I am almost certain that the transaction demand won't increase fast enough for it to make sense for us to go from 20 chains to 1,000 chains. Um, but but yeah, it really depends on the, the situation when that happens. We will certainly be gathering statistics about transactions in the network. We will try to estimate how much demand there is and figure out how many chains will be an appropriate number. But there's no inherent restriction of what number of chains we need to go to next. Yeah. So by the time we get to a thousand, we'll be, you know, Kadena uh, will pretty much dominate the world essentially, right? There, when with a thousand chains, let's see, 20 times five is a hundred. Um, so that's like 50 times more transaction uh, volume and throughput than we have today. So it's just a huge, huge amount. Um, yeah, I, I think if we get to the point where we're needing to scale to a thousand chains, things are going to be pretty, pretty good. And, and we're going to be seeing a lot of demand for Cadena's scalable proof of work blockchain. Awesome. Uh, following up on scaling, uh, Recently, uh, Cadex has launched their, uh, and the community has noticed a huge load in the blockchain uh, with their transactions. So Crypto First had asked, uh, how do you scale between the 20 chains? Um, I believe you covered scaling dApps previously, but would you mind giving uh, you know, a refresher on that? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, I, I read the Cadex postmortem on the launch, and it sounds like a significant component of the, the uh, kind of load and scaling issues that people were noticing were because there were a bunch of failing transactions getting put in. And this is just a, a normal course of, of uh, developing a system and, and working out the kinks. There, you know, there's no perfect software project. You can't possibly prevent every single mistake. And so a bunch of transactions were getting generated that were failing. That is a uh, load on the network that's entirely unnecessary. So in, in the, as it pertains to specifically those transactions and that load, I think the CADEX launch, if it hadn't have had those issues, the demand on the chains and, and the total transaction throughput would have been meaningfully lower. So number one, do a better job, not, not, pointing fingers at CADEX, mind you, but just across the ecosystem, everyone at we Cadena can help people to uh, have better tools and improve their ability to get things tested and deploy uh, and do launches that have 
more uh, well-debugged transaction generation, et cetera. I anticipate that all of this will get better over time across the whole Kadena ecosystem. So that's one component. And then as far as scaling across chains, you know, we've seen a lot of launches where the project launches on a single chain. And I think that is, is reasonable and makes sense in many situations. But really, the, the scalability is determined on a per project basis. And it really depends on what you are doing and the details of your problem. Uh, I've mentioned previously, we did uh, a, a proof of concept COVID test tracking dApp that could scale hugely. Why? Because it doesn't matter what chain your COVID test results go on. They can go on any chain. All that matters is that someone coming along afterwards can verify, oh, yeah, this person had a, a COVID test and this was the results. So COVID testing scales very easily across any number of chains, but not all applications do. Specifically, DEXs have some interesting scaling challenges because you don't want to fragment your liquidity. And uh, I think the, the, the obvious approach of just saying, hey, this pair is on this chain and maybe this other pair is on this other chain, I think that's a really good first cut approach. And then DEXs on Cadena are going to uh, continue to innovate and refine their, their scaling methodologies. We will probably come out with more tools that, that give people more ability to deal with cross-chain things. We have a few kind of high-level research ideas in this direction uh, internally. And, uh, you know, we don't have any details at the moment, but suffice it to say that we are aware of these issues and we are thinking about them and we are trying to come up with the ways to give the best, the community the best tools to scale on Cadena. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it ends up being uh, a domain-specific thing or application-specific question of not how do you scale, but how do you scale application XYZ. Yeah, that's a great uh, great comment. I think it's just growing pains at the beginning. And as more and more projects kind of launch your smart contracts and like dApps uh, will kind of innovate on any existing issues and kind of make it even better. Uh, and have other community members just be aware of, you know, issues that other people had have had. So for builders kind of currently building on Kadena, uh, be sure to check out our Discord channel and make sure to uh, ask any, have if you have any questions about your smart contract, be sure to kind of ask the community, ask the team. We're, we're here to help and help kind of, you know, make this an open, open source kind of community for, for everyone to help each other. Yeah, that's a great point. And one other thing I'll just add briefly is, as I've said before, I think scaling on a multi-chain blockchain is very similar to the kind of scaling that software people have already gone through back in the early 2000s when the computer industry was shifting from single core computers to multi-core computers. Uh, the software people had to build out a whole bunch of techniques for scaling with parallel when you have multiple CPUs available at the same time. And it's very, very similar to the situation that we see here. And I think we're gonna see a lot of techniques for scaling on Kadena taken from the playbooks of people who have scaled on various multi-core computing systems in the past. Great, before we uh, move on to the next question, I just wanna uh, tell the community that we'll squeeze in some community questions towards the end 
of the office hours. So be sure to, you know, if you have any questions for Doug, uh, be sure to kind of have that in mind so that when we do open up the floor for people, uh, you guys could request to speak and we'll answer your questions. So uh, the next question on your plate, uh, Doug, uh, people have been asking about block time. And so KDA punks and crypto Adore had asked about can different chains have different block times and uh, why didn't Kadena opt it for five to 15 second block times? Uh, you've covered that before, but uh, would you mind giving a refresher for people? Sure, absolutely. So can different chains have different block times? No, that is not something that I think makes sense given the way ChainWeb works. Um, you know, is it conceivable? Maybe, but to be honest, I haven't thought about it and I don't think that particular avenue of flexibility is something that is a very, very likely to give us uh, improved uh, user experience. So I think, I think the, the fact that all the chains have the same block time is, is perfectly reasonable and I don't think it unnecessarily restricts us. Now to the question of what the block time is, why didn't we choose a five second block time for instance? A lot of users, they see block time and, and all they think about is, oh, this, is, this determines how fast my deposit goes through. And there's definitely a component of that, but it's not that simple. There's a trade-off trade -off to be had. If you have a block time of X, that means that you are limiting the largest calculation that can be done on your network. So, um, yeah, it comes back faster and, and or your, your transaction will go into the block faster. But fundamentally, if, if your block time is 30 seconds, you cannot allow transactions that take 35 seconds to run. If it takes 35 seconds to run, it's not going to be able to, to get into the block. Uh, you know, it would, it would be too much computing to execute that transaction. And so, like, that's a major, major issue. So this is something that I think people don't take into consideration. A smaller block time limits the kinds of computations that you can do in your smart contracts. And... No, it probably won't limit uh, just a plain old transfer. But when it comes to more complicated transactions like swaps and uh, you know any other kind of transactions, it, this can be a significant limitation. Furthermore, you're not limited to 30 seconds. Just because we have a 30-second block time doesn't mean that your transaction can take 30 seconds. Um, it's actually much, much, much smaller than that. I, I don't remember what the actual numbers were, but I think we target that a whole block needs to be executed in, in less than, I, I don't know exactly what the number is, but say one second or half a second or something like that. This is really important because after you, you run the block and you execute all of the transactions in the block and you verify that they succeed and all of the nodes in the network verify, yep, this block has the same results that uh, you know, the, this other node got, then you have to communicate that information around the whole world and disseminate that block to everybody in the network. So not only do you have to do the calculation, you have to send it around the world. You're waiting for the speed of light um, signals to get all the way around the world. The world's like 20, 25,000 miles around. And uh, that, that ends up being pretty significant. So 
you can't just make block times arbitrarily small. You absolutely cannot have a one second block time for a global uh, proof of work blockchain. It just it just doesn't make any sense. So, and if you did, you'd you'd be limiting the time, the complexity of your transactions really severely. So, how did we decide? Well, we we kind of looked at what was out there, and we picked a number that we thought was like a decent compromise of these competing concerns. And uh, you know, do do I? I I'm not going to go into details about like where and and what ca- calculations went into 30 seconds, but. You know, this is pretty. We're we're way faster than Bitcoin, which has a ten minute block block time. We're in the same ballpark as Ethereum, which is something on the order of like twelve to fifteen seconds. Um, But we gain the ability to do more complicated transactions in our blocks because we have more time in which to do them. And the the parallel chains allow you to do more more calculations and more transactions in parallel while still limiting yourself to uh, you know, a reasonable amount of time that each transaction can be allowed to execute. So it's a complicated trade-off, and uh, it's, it's just not as simple as faster block time equals better blockchain. That's not at all the case. Yeah, I think it's, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a balance act to be said about this, and faster doesn't always mean better. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, uh, the financial system today takes days, like Suri had said. Uh, so, I mean, if we if blockchain gets adopted, it, I mean, our block time is, is it's already way faster than, you know, wire transfers. And it's worth mentioning there uh, that the the transaction times that people think they get trading on the stock market with things like Robinhood and other apps, they're fooling you. The stock market settles in three days. And the the issues that were had with uh, you know the GameStop and people's transactions not happening like they expected, those issues highlight the fact that some of these trading platforms fool you into thinking your transaction went through when it may not have. And so, uh, thirty seconds for worldwide consensus is actually amazingly, amazingly fast. And uh, much, much faster than the two or three days of clearing time that the traditional stock market has. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Kadena is a solution. Um, if anyone has uh, questions, be sure to uh, request to speak and we could bring you guys up. So just request and we'll uh, line you up for questions. Um, but um, we have a reoccurring new member, Mr. Met Cafe, with a great question. Hey, Doug, I was wondering, is it feasible that in the future you could use KDA from any chain as your gas? So, for example, I want to send a token from chain two to four, but my KDA is on chain one. Could chain one's KDA be the gas station for transaction fee in the future? Would be a big UX upgrade. Yes, I agree that that would be a big UX upgrade. It's uh, an interesting kind of uh, different take on, on how to do scaling. I think that's probably not feasible because is really integral to the operation of a single chain. And in order to make sure that ChainWeb can scale in an arbitrary manner without uh, encountering bottlenecks, we have to have this very strict 
uh, pattern of one chain can't depend on another chain uh, to to run its transaction. That's crucial. You get this uh, in in multi-core programming as well. If you have two CPUs and they're calculating away, doing tons of work, and then one of them needs to wait on the other one for information, your your uh, you know parallelization and your throughput just really takes a nosedive. Um, there's a, a famous result in computer science called Amdahl's law, which roughly says that if you have any amounts of sequential computation that are required, you you severely reduce the amount of total throughput that you can have and, and benefit that you can get from parallelization. So gas, if you're using gas from one or you know KDA one chain to pay gas on another chain, that is instantly a kind of interchain dependency like chain one has the gas money chain two is where you want to do your transaction the instant you you send that transaction in chain two is going to have to wait on chain one and and that really kills your scalability it, it just destroys a whole bunch of properties so i doubt that particular path to scaling is going to be a path that is worth going down. Uh, we don't any of these things off, by the way. We, we are really doing a lot of out-of-the-box thinking uh, with respect to how we might be able to uh, solve this, this problem of gas stations and chain scaling. Uh, one thing that I think is really interesting is it needs to be profitable to run gas stations. And uh, we have some interesting out-of-the-box ideas that are kind of in the early stage of uh, thinking and, and experimentation of different ways we might be able to do that. But uh, instead of waiting on another chain for gas, what if you could wait on a station that makes a very small uh, commission on, on uh, the gas fees that it takes? Maybe you deposit into that chain, and then at the tail end, your money, your money moves from one chain to another, and then the person who paid the gas on the target chain, maybe they take a small commission off the end. That is a method of, of handling gas that doesn't require one chain to wait on another chain, which is the key, key scaling problem if, if you do have those weights. But uh, you know, you could pay us a really small fee. This would make it profitable for someone to, to run a gas station, which would mean that they're not on the hook for an arbitrary amount of liability. Uh, I was listening to a podcast in the last couple months, and uh, I think it was like a, a podcast with the they were interviewing the people from Argent Wallet, and I heard something that was really interesting. Argent came on the wallet scene. And their goal was to really streamline the UX. They came in, they're like, hey, we want to make blockchain easy and we want to remove the barriers to entry. And so that they identified was gas. And so they said, we're going to pay the gas for people. Well, guess what? <laughs> Ethereum got congested and all of a sudden, Argent was losing tons of money because they said that they were going to pay the gas for people and gas got really expensive. So they had to back that out and stop paying gas for people because it just wasn't a sustainable business model. This really underscored, in my mind, the importance of 
making like it needs to be profitable to run gas station. This doesn't mean that gas station operators are going to be exploiting everyone and taking enormous fees. I think there's plenty of room for for competition and and making fees really small and reasonable. Um, but if we can get to that point where it is profitable to run a gas station where you can earn a small commission, then you then you're not on the hook for unlimited liability. You're only on the hook for the gas plus a little bit of a commission, and and your your gas station isn't going to drain. It's going to be a, be making more KDA, and this is a sustainable thing. And that's really what blockchains are all about: is figuring out how to structure collective ecosystem incentives in such a way that we can get better better uh, performance and system behavior and pe- you know people can get paid for contributing value in various places so i would say that if you want cross chain gas uh, that's that has its own problems and can be solved with another actor coming in and stationing themselves on every chain much like gas stations station themselves all around the physical world to allow you to, to fill your car up um, I expect, expect we see, we'll see something more along those lines. But uh, again, this is an open area of research. There is no other scalable multi-chain blockchain out there today. So we're blazing new territory, and I have no idea where the future will ultimately take us. I think it's, it's really hard to predict. So let's just uh, you know, focus on solving problems that we have today and uh, leveraging the, the te- technology that we have as well as we can. So you're saying that there's there might be a market for uh, you know gas stations? Potentially, I, I I really don't know. This is this is all very kind of pie in the sky brainstorming ideas. But uh, this is something that I've been thinking about some, and I think you know b- being able to operate a gas station profitably is very important. And this was really underscored in my mind after I. I heard that anecdote from Argent where they had tried to run their own gas station and they got burned and uh, they they had to pivot. Oh, nice. I mean, not nice, but um, so moving on to community questions, um, we'll we'll start bringing people up, but don't be, uh, I guess, scared if uh, we'll we'll take your question and then we'll kind of have to uh, remove you from the speaker so that we could just move through the questions really quick. So uh, Cheeto, Cheeto Rec, uh, I'll request that you speak. Uh, hello, good morning, uh, Doug. It's uh, very uh, appreciative that uh, you take the time to give us regular updates. I wanted to thank you for the opportunity to do that um, and also ask questions. Good morning, and thanks. <laughs> uh, my question is really, uh, really pertaining to uh, IBC, the Inter-Blockchain Connectivity. Um, it seems like in this particular phase of Kadena, a lot of uh, the focus is on you know growing out the ecosystem, building out the ecosystem, uh, and also uh, uh, garnering adoption of, of the of the chain itself. Uh, and part of that is, uh, for example, like with Lago, uh, you know, building the the bridge from Ethereum for USDC. Uh, IBC seems like it's uh, another really great opportunity to help bring funds onto the chain and make it a little bit easier. Uh, what? Uh, you know, what do you, is this a priority for you guys right now? Um, if so, you know, what kind of time frame are you looking at to be able to to, to bring connectivity? Great question. Um, with respect to, well, first, kind of a, a small step back. Um, I think that one one thing that's been emerging in my mind is that 
in Chainweb is is multi-chain, and uh, we have chain chain uh, you know kind of bridges built into our system. But I've been more and more convinced of the fact that the world, the future, is multi-chain world world, uh, and I think that these kinds of abilities to interoperate are going to be really important. That being said. Look at some of the stuff we're seeing. Bridges are proving to be really difficult to secure and scale. So uh, I think while I do think that this multi-chain world is is the future, I think we have a, a good bit of work to do in order to be able to realize that future and make it scalable and make it safe for people. Um, that being said, IBC is is an obvious uh, nice, nice, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't, partner isn't the right word, but it, it works really nice with the Kanena view because they're all about blockchain communication and Kadena, while, while we haven't structured ourselves in quite the same way with like an internetwork of, of kind of separate blockchains, we have structured ourselves internally in that way. So I think it makes lots of IBC, lots of sense for there to be uh, all kinds of various links with IBC. Um, we have talked to people who are interested in these kinds. And uh, I think a lot of this is going to be driven by the community and external uh, entities that want to create different kinds of integrations with Kadena. We are... You know, as I said before, we're growing, we're hiring more engineers, we're really trying to uh, build out our team and our capacity. But we also are seeing that we really need to maintain our focus on the the core of things, which is where our expertise lies. And uh, we're not going to be able to go out and, and build all of the things. And I think it'll be an interesting balance between, you know, Kadena building, building things and the ecosystem building things. And uh, I would expect to, to see a fair amount of things like IBC integration being driven by the community, because at the end of the day, that's really the, the, the ideal way to figure out what, where the demand is, is to get other people, other businesses that see a need and go in and try to fill that need. If Kadena just preemptively says, oh, we're going to link with this blockchain and this blockchain and this blockchain, that's probably not a very efficient way of doing it because we don't know how much demand there is. You know, it might be kind of a solution in search of a problem. So we're definitely aware of IBC. We have, have done significant looking into the protocol. Um, I can't give you any kind of particular timeline on when that uh, might be available because I think it really depends on what kind of applications we see and what kind of uh, demand we see for it. But believe me, we've, we've looked into it and it's high on our list of things to interoperate with. Great answer, Doug. Um, I suppose goes back to the whole kind of idea of how Kadena is tech forward and we kind of want to focus on just the blockchain itself, but empower builders and just, you know, uh, people who want to, you know, connect with other blockchains to come and build um, on us, and that's why Kadena Eco was formed to, you know, give grants and money to people who want to build on top of Kadena, and we empowered them via giving them advice uh, for their kind of project, and then also just monetary advice as well. So, I think, and, yeah. and actually, one other thing I'll add is we have done work in this direction. 
quite some time ago, we did a project that called Cadenament, where we were making Pact usable on a Tendermint blockchain, and Tendermint is an IBC-enabled chain. So we've already done um, progress and, and projects moving in this direction. If you can run Pact on Tendermint, then it's it's you know one less thing that you have to deal with in order to get the interoperation in place. So we already have done work on this, and uh, I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if we see more in the future. Actually, answer isn't satisfying, but uh, as longtime listeners may know, I am kind of a, a stickler against giving dates. I don't think that that committing to dates is typically a very useful thing to do in these kinds of areas where the engineering work is very, very uh, unpredictable. Cool. Bringing up the next person, Kudaini Yak, uh, I'll add you as a speaker. What's the timeline from when you decide that you need to expand to more chains to when the more chains actually roll out on the blockchain and what's your lead time essentially? Great question. See my last few sentences about dates. <laughs> um, but but uh, you know, to actually answer your question, we have done this once. And so not only was it a PR thing to prove to the world that we could scale, but it was also an engineering thing to start getting an idea of what kind of effort it took. And uh, believe me, there was a huge amount of effort that, that went into it behind the scenes, testing, um, doing dry runs with, with uh, our DevNet networks that were closed and making sure that the forks happened as expected and that tooling worked. Um, there was tons of work done. As far as lead time goes, again, I, I really can't give any any uh, solid uh, numbers there. Uh, it just depends on on a ton of factors. But uh, I, what I will say is, I would imagine it's on the order of probably some months, but uh, hard to say precisely how much. But then after we do another increase in the number of chains. Guess what? We will have started to dial in our scaling approach. Um, we will refine our processes. We will document things internally. We will try to make the process more repeatable and quicker and easier to streamline in the future. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be moving in the direction of being able to scale um, more quickly as, as we grow and we become mature. Um, but at the moment, I would say we're looking at something on the order of a small number of months. Um, but but really, uh, it's it's very difficult to predict. Bringing up the next person, we have uh, Clutonian. Funny name. Hello, can you hear us? I think you're up, but it looks like yes, you're sorry, but there you uh, Thank you for taking my question, and good morning. Uh, morning. The uh, previous question there was kind of uh, way ahead on deck, and so that's uh, that's great, great news. I understand the hesitation to commit to timelines when things are, you know, you're blazing new trails. Um, so the question that I do have is related to uh, the uh, Turing incomplete nature of Pact, and um, just kind of following along lately with uh, Equal Bet, you know, KD formerly KDA Bet, and some of the stuff that they've been grappling with um, in terms of the non-recursive nature of PACT and that there's security benefits to that. 
but I'm curious what limitations there may be in other types of transactions, other types of development, like if there's metaverse kind of things, like um, gaming aspects, like what uh, limitations or obstacles might exist because of the non-recursive nature and like auto-populating lists and uh, matching kind of stuff? Great question. Uh, also really hard to answer. Um, I think it depends on the application. It depends on the uh, you know, detail of the computation. In many cases as in the past, when we've encountered things that either, either couldn't be done or weren't easy to do in PACT, we're very, very responsive. We're, we're here. We're trying to uh, evolve this language and this platform in a way that meets the needs of the users. And we have absolutely added primitives in the past that give PACT new abilities. So one thing we can, we can pretty easily do when there's a need for some kind of recursive function or you know, complicated to compute thing is we can add primitives that just do that thing behind the scenes uh, and usually that can be done in a much more efficient way. Um, you know, cryptographic primitives are the obvious one here. We had this project um, with a called FinPrint that we were working with uh, several years back, and they they looked at things we were doing and they said, "Hey, we would like to see these new cryptographic primitives." And so we added support for those. It's it's quite easy to add new primitives to Pact and then make them available to people. It's just a new thing that becomes available. So a lot of, of the applications that you might have trouble with can probably be addressed by adding primitives if it's a, a, a specific enough thing and if it's a generic enough operation. Um, in terms of like what does it, it really, it, uh, you know, there's already a lot of restrictions on blockchain computations. Blockchains are not general purpose computers. Blockchains, as I mentioned earlier in this office hours, the transactions have to finish within a certain amount of time. That's a huge limitation. And, uh, you know, it's our view that adding this Turing incomplete restriction doesn't really impose much in the way of additional limitations on top of what you already have from just operating in the blockchain context. Example, uh, another limitation is... Uh, contracts can't be non-deterministic. You can't have a function that returns a different value every time it's called, like a random number generator or uh, a get crime function, because uh, you, you have to have every computer on the blockchain be able to exactly reproduce the results of the computation down to the last bit. So if your computer is, you know, one second behind my computer and we run these things and you get a slightly different time than mine, that, that is a no-go. You can't do that because the, then when your node validates that block, it's going to come up with a different answer and different block hash than my block, and it's just not going to work. So, you know, in terms of what limitations there are, and it's hard to say. It's, it's really about what kind of problems people want to solve. And then I think that a lot of those limitations can be handled through new primitives. And so I don't think um, trying to characterize 
the exact nature of these limitations uh, is going to be super useful because there's a number of ways that we can work around them uh, if we see a really compelling need for a particular application. So, yeah, I think I think that's uh, most of my thoughts on that question. Awesome. Yeah, if anyone have has any like technical questions about uh, pack, be sure to like ask them on Discord or. If it's even more technical about smart contracts and like the actual code, be sure to go to Stack Overflow and ask the questions there. Um, last call for questions from the community if anyone wants to request to speak. Um, but before then, we have a question from Kadena Sweden asking about when IntelliSend will be ready. Uh, and, ah, and you could give a primer of what uh, IntelliSend is. This person knows their their uh, audience. Um, so IntelliSend is a project I've been working on personally that uh, I teased a few weeks back. Um, the short version is it's the the first experiments that we're starting to do on how to do transfers that are chain agnostic. Uh, people have been asking us this question ever since the early days of mainnet and uh, you know, like, hey, why do I need to get in my money is on? And our answer always was, we're building the raw materials of a scalable blockchain and we need to focus on these fundamental building blocks first and the better UX, more powerful tools that can abstract across chains will come later. It's, it's kind of a really um, like tried and true approach to designing systems is you have layers and uh, you have a lower level layer that uh, just operates in a very low level, uh, you know, harder to use way. And then you can build on top of those layers, new layers of abstraction. And this is a really important software design principle. I think it's also just a, an important engineering principle in general uh, in terms of creating better and better abstractions. So what does IntelliSend do? You come in, like today in Chainweaver, and I think just about all the other wallet, Kadena wallets that I'm aware of, you come in and you say, hey, I want to transfer five coins on chain X to you know, this person on chain at Y. And you know, maybe chain Y is the same as chain X, maybe it's different. Um, the point you don't want to really have to think about chains. You know, your your uh, grandma, grandpa, someone who's not very tech savvy, they don't want to care what chain is my money on. They just want to move their money. Completely valid point. Um, and the Kadena blockchain starts out on this lower level. And IntelliSend is a tool that kind of allows you to ignore chains. You can, um, if if you haven't seen it. Look back in my Twitter history, I dropped um, a video. It was, it was intentionally a teaser. Like this was not an announcement. This is not anything, um, you know, more than just kind of wetting people's appetite and giving an example of some things that are possible. And uh, you, basically the, the rough uh, overview is you go in, you say, instead of saying chains, you just say, I want to transfer X coins to this, to this account or this key. And underneath, the tool looks at all of the chains that you have coins on, figures out 
how to uh, send money on multiple chains to satisfy your your uh, request for transfer, and then it sends out multiple transactions. The reason this is just starting to come out now is we needed a lot of building blocks in order to make this thing a reality. We needed to be able to send a, a signing request to a wallet that had more than one transaction in it. And we're in the course of this work fleshing out Wallet Connect uh, infrastructure that allows this. And uh, now we the video that I dropped shows an actual example of it happening on Testnet. We are getting these kinds of abilities. And uh, again, see my previous comments on dates. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to commit to a date on this because uh, it just doesn't really make any sense. We have, we have lots of constraints. But uh, believe me, this is a, a high priority for me personally. I have written the majority of the code on IntelliSend, and I'm really excited about it because I think it gives us a lot of cool possibilities as far as load balancing chains. If you have a lot of people today, they like to put their money all on one chain because then it's easier for them. If they want to send, they don't have to do multiple transactions. Completely understandable. But in a world where there is IntelliSend, or I don't know what we'll end up calling it, that was just kind of like a working title. Um, the, the IntelliSend system could actually load balance your, your transfers across chains, and it can do so in a very smart way. It could look at the load on the chains. And to use an example from, from here this week, it could notice, hey, there's a whole lot of load on chain two because of whatever reason. In this case, it was the CADEX launch. And it could say, you know what? I'm not going to send some of this money on chain two, I'm going to use other chains. And then if your coins are spread across chains, you'll have more of an ability to do this and you'll have more flexibility. So I think when we, when we move to a world like this where we have these more powerful tools, I think the optimal behavior of individuals and which chains they put their money on will change because now it, uh, you know, it was more convenient to have all your money on one chain, but uh, in a post-IntelliSend world, it's probably going to be faster and more efficient to have your money spread across several chains. Maybe not all of them, maybe several. And if we have a, a, a nice kind of tool that can handle these things in a really intelligent manner, I think we can really give a much better user experience. I think we can give people a faster uh, perceived transaction time because we can analyze things on the fly and make much more intelligent decisions about how to utilize the multiple chains that Chainweb has. So I'm really excited about this. I think it's, it's a, a really cool thing that gives us a lot of possibilities and at the same time improves the user experience. And uh, I'm working on this. I care about it deeply. Um, just so an example of, of why I'm not going to give a date, um, this, all of the stuff is Connect. And Wallet Connect is a, is a standard protocol for, for communicating between dApps and wallets. And we've been working on Wallet Connect for uh, the better part of a year or more. And uh, Wallet Connect recently completely redesigned their API. They had a Wallet Connect V2 that was in the works. And then they, they completely changed things. 
And now we have a totally different API that is Wallet Connect 2, and we have to rewrite a whole bunch of things. So we're on the bleeding edge here with respect to where people are innovating in not just Kadena, but overall around the blockchain industry. And we just saw a very clear example of why it's so unpredictable and difficult to uh, give concrete deadlines. You know, this is something that that wasn't related to us at all. But if I had given a deadline and then this Wallet Connect change came out, you know, it would have been missed. Um, and now we have to go through and seriously uh, rewrite things because of the way that Wallet Connect changed. Not criticizing Wallet Connect, by the way. I think that the changes they made are, are great and have some really, really, really cool possibilities for us uh, even further down the line. But yeah, there's, there's lots of moving pieces here. And uh, it's very difficult to predict timelines for, for how all of these pieces are going to ultimately be able to fit together and create a working system. So definitely keep, keep uh, thinking about IntelliSend. I think it's super exciting. Um, but yeah, not going to give a date because there's just so much uh, unpredictability. If people want to, uh, you know, pitch around some uh, ideas for new names for IntelliSend, um, be sure to just, you know, spam Doug's uh, Twitter account. Um, yes, for sure. IntelliSend was just a, a quick and dirty name that I came up with. So absolutely interested in hearing from the community of what other kinds of cool and fun names you can come up with because uh, we're definitely not uh, set on that particular name. Awesome. Since uh, there's no other, uh, I guess, community questions, um, or if you guys do have uh, questions for Doug, just leave them, um, you know, save them for next uh, office hours. Uh, but I guess to close off this uh, spaces, uh, do you have any kind of um, things, any updates slash kind of uh, forward looking milestones, you know, news that you want to spread light to the community? Um, nothing major. I, I would say that there. I, I dropped that video on IntelliSend and I have more, more uh, ideas of things to drop with teasing in, IntelliSend features that haven't been seen yet. Um, things that we've been, we've been really focused on uh, growing the team and getting people up to speed. And so that's where my energy has shifted because bringing on new people is always the, the best way to like leverage yourself. Um, you know, if you, if you don't stop and take time to, get new people up to speed, you're never going to gain capacity and you're never going to grow your ability to, to uh, move and, and deliver things more quickly. So that's what we're focusing on now. It kind of, it probably results in people thinking like we're not doing anything. What are we doing? We're training new engineers. We're educating them about our system so that they can start getting up to speed and contributing and helping us deliver more features faster in the future. But, you know, this isn't really the kind of thing that, that uh, you, you can make compelling community announcements about either. Oh, guess what? Today I, I gave two or three more engineers a new overview on whatever. You know, it doesn't make for a great announcement. Um, so just realize that the things we're doing are not always the, the flashy things that you can, you can go out and generate tons of PR about. We are focused on solving the most 
um, critical obstacles to creating a scalable blockchain, creating a more usable blockchain that can result in less people losing money and, uh, you know, have a make the make the blockchain uh, realize its potential for how it can be uh, used in the world. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, Doug will be the hype man for when we do announce kind of uh, engineering uh, engineer like highlights or you know spotlights. Great, great things coming in IntelliSend. Um, you know, just just think about all the other stuff I've talked about with respect to Cadena, safe transfers, multi-sig, all these things. Like this is this is probably areas where we can take a number of these tools. Uh, you know, better gas stations can improve the ability of these tools to automatically do cross-chain transfers. All kinds of things. Um, I think you guys can probably connect the dots with with where some of these ideas are likely to go. Awesome. Uh, great. Another great uh, office hour, uh, Doug. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks for hosting, Jeff. Uh, as always, it's a, a huge help. Yeah. Um, happy Happy Wednesday, everyone. Um, great. Thanks for joining, everyone. Uh, until next time. Have a good one. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cadena Office Hours with Blockchain Doug, recorded on Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo, I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back, doing a little magical and rap it's the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money. Looking like another crooked Sunday, and I'm working Monday. So, you know, I ain't stressing left debating great methods. Amazed to play Inception, the base state blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks, leaving only some portion of that for the actual how to turn profit, their future will always be in question. But, for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 Another day, another lesson, living in the eighth dimension, might be worth a little mention, living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel, reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal, just to make a motherfucker wish, Ah shit, now you only got two left, you know what I wish, we didn't have any loose ends, you know what I miss, listening to excuses, now we're on the fence, like we forgot how to choose, that's what happens when people don't know what's true in the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom in the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabbit dog like a fake mate and call at the zoo it's looking like the view is getting disappointed too i'm working on the new shit trying to produce it's what i'm willing to go through when i'm making my music